was a level headed dancer on the road to alcohol. And I was just a soldier on the way to Montreal. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a victory edition of the From Here It's Possible Potable. From Here It's Potable podcast. We got Hunter Davidson with me. Uh, TCU, the TCU game just finished up. Uh, tech won by quite a bit, so that's always good. It was like uh, there was a sign in the student section that put it very simply: "I do not like TCU," and I I share that young man's feeling. So, anyway, let's get started. All right, Hunter. How's it going? Did you enjoy that win? Yeah, definitely. Beat him up. Yeah, it's right. like we were talking about before we got on here. I mean, you were playing young guys and Avery for the majority of the second half, which is good, like you said, to get the get the guys who play heavy minutes some rest, but also just to get those guys some experience. Yeah, I think that will help, right? So we've got a game Thursday, Sunday, and then anywhere from one, two, three, or four the next week. So uh, there probably was some thought that if we could, we'd want to limit limit guys' minutes as much as possible. We were able to do that. Yeah. All right, before we get too lost in, in that performance, let's start with the negative so we can end on a high. So with all the craziness of the weather and everything, it's been a while since we've recorded. But basically since, since then, we've – or the Red Raiders, they beat Kansas State and then lost to West Virginia again. Kansas again and Oklahoma State again, which was not great. Yeah. So, you know, look at our schedule. We played this nine game stretch, which we're playing good teams. We're playing, I think, six of them are on the road. Mm-hmm. And then there's just weird, uh, like either really long pauses in between them or like only short, really short turnarounds. And like, so it begins with that Texas game that we win in Austin, and then it ended with Oklahoma State in Stillwater, which was, yeah, to my knowledge, just kind of rare to go on a, uh, a road trip in college and play two games. You know, we went to uh, Kansas on Saturday and then played Monday in Stillwater, yeah. and they're showing uh, Silva shooting baskets outside in the freezing cold, um, <laughs> like on some makeshift basket. And it's just like watching that, it's kind of – I'm thinking, you know, could we, who knows, like COVID, maybe we couldn't find like a gym to go in in Stillwater. Maybe there wasn't enough time. Uh, it, regardless, probably wasn't like our normal uh, road game, um, you know, how we would prepare for one. Um, and then and then Oklahoma State's just really, really good. Yeah. We lose, we lose in overtime. But they, they the said ball- that, sorry, not to interrupt you, but the basket thing, I think they said the, the room in the hotel that they provide – it wasn't tall enough to get shot. Right. Apparently they, they bring that for Santo Silva on every trip, but that, that room wasn't tall enough. But anyway, yes, Oklahoma state is good. And I balked at those Cade coming Cade Cunningham to Luca comparisons early, but it's there. I don't think he's as good as Luca, but, but it's absolutely there the way he kind of controls the game. He plays at his own speed. It's just like, he sees everything at a different speed than everybody else and is not afraid to, do what needs to be done. Yeah, he's yeah, he's good. I, like you said, it's kind of he can just force the pace. It's just at his pace, you know, that offensively. You can't really speed him up or he can just like, hold the ball and create a good shot late or create one early. Yeah, yeah. it's a factor. He reminds me of uh, the OU, the 
guy they have, their primary creator. I can't even also Reeves. Reeves. Yeah, the, just like them two are kind of similar to me in the Big 12. But, you know, back to the schedule, we lose five. So we go four and five in these nine games. And one of our wins is kind of a fluke, you know, the LSU one. Yeah. But, um, just with how, how difficult those games were, you know, we lose by one in West Virginia at West Virginia. And it's just like a miracle uh, kind of situation where they make their last 11 shots. Still don't know and, how that happened, but yes. Right. You know, you have a, then the overtime loss in Stillwater. Um, you played Baylor pretty tough. I think it was their, the closest anyone had played, played them to that point. Um, and so, sure, everybody, you know, you've got to be disappointed when you go four and five in a, in a nine-game stretch. Uh, but it's still – there is some element of kind of trying to look at it um, from a, trying to predict something in the, in the future – uh, and, and whether or not, you know, what can you, what can you take from, um, a one point loss in, in Morgantown that was kind of took like some heroics from them. Yeah. And then, and then an overtime loss in Stillwater, um, you very, very easily could have been, you know, flipped that and you're six and three. And, and it's like maybe the best, nobody in the country could have, could have gone six and three or seven and two in those nine games. Yeah. So it's like as, as close as we are, um, to, to being, six and three, it's just not, it's not that far-fetched to, to wonder um, you know, think if it's dumb to, to look at that stretch and think we're not very good or to think that, uh, you know, this team isn't as good as maybe anyone thought it was. I, you know, obviously would want to win, win more games, but um, we're, I, you know, we're still in a good spot. They still, still have a, a puncher's chance to do pretty much everything we wanted to do. Yeah, what's weird is, I guess the way it happened, or or maybe even the teams that we lost to, like if you if you didn't go through the the stretch in the Big Twelve at least the West Virginia, Kansas, Oklahoma State, if you didn't play those games and that be the like you get you got swept by all those teams, especially Kansas who wasn't playing well when you first played them, I wonder if you would have beat them earlier in the year. Like maybe you don't sweep. Texas or Oklahoma, you trade some of those wins and losses if you're feeling different about how that probably. stretch went. Um, but it, probably so. Yeah, think, yeah. It just hurts to get swept, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might be right. Yeah. If we had just kind of split with everyone instead yeah. of swept two and been swept. And I haven't looked at the standings, but would that have made a difference? Or, or I guess your record's still the same, but I don't know with tiebreakers and everything. Because that's the thing is somebody – I saw a tweet – are we the best seventh or seventh, not seventh seed, but seventh in the conference team of all time, you know, like that's just ridiculous to think about. Yeah. It, from, you know, I'm still looking at some of the like national championship futures odds and yeah. it's been pretty consistent that we're like in this eighth to kind of 12th range in terms of like most likely to win it all. Yeah. And, and the people who, who bet into those games, those markets, you know, they're accounting for the likelihood. And like, there's a strong chance that tech is like a five or a six seed. Whereas some of the teams near us in those, in those odds, they're going to be a two or a three. So, so we have a tougher road um, theoretically, you know, to win it all. Yeah. And yet we're still um, being valued where we are. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like if, if we're the 12th, you know, 12th likely to win it at all, it really means we're like the ninth or 10th best team. Um, in, in all likelihood. Um, so, yeah, it's 
we might be a five or a six seed, but if we make it to that second game, we're playing a four or a three, we're going to be favored. Like yeah. we, if we play West Virginia tomorrow in a neutral floor, neutral site, which we probably will, we'll, we'll test some of these theories in, yeah. in a tournament. If, if we play them, we would be the favorite. You know, they might, had they won today, they might still, I don't know, they might be a two seed. So um, it's, 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 it's just interesting. It's kind of bizarre. The, the year, the schedule, the order that we played these games, yeah. some of our losses, it just doesn't really matter. Like our losses to Oklahoma State in in Lubbock, you know they they get this gift three the three free throws when Cade kind of was fouled or the um, moving screen on Kyler, um, you know so those calls don't really matter about what our ability to win in two weeks. Right? You know, they don't they don't affect they don't hurt or help our chances. But yet the perception is of the loss uh, of losing to them is that we we are less likely to win. Right. And it's just that's just not the case. It just doesn't tend to play out that way. Right. Well, so that's what's weird about you know, Tech gets swept by Oklahoma State, two overtime losses. And then Oklahoma State sweeps Oklahoma, I think two two overtime wins again or one at least. And then Tech sweeps Oklahoma. It's just, you know, it's just like, how do you, I guess you make sense of it with what, what you just said, you know, where, where's the money going? Um, but it's just interesting to see how convoluted it all is, um, you know, just in the big 12, other than I guess Baylor, but you know, they, they haven't even played even close to the amount of games everybody else has. So. Yeah. You know, and Baylor, they've kind of been, uh, you know, they were second biggest favorite to Gonzaga pretty much from the very beginning of the year. And then like within the last week, they, they dropped below Michigan, but then Michigan lost, I think today. So maybe yeah, yeah. we probably reverse, but I, I guess people were kind of selling Baylor after the layoff and close win and loss and at Kansas. Uh, I, I still think it'll be Gonzaga number one overall seed and Baylor, the two, the second overall, and they will be, it's going to be a pretty strong chance. One of them is in the national championship or, or maybe both. I think, I mean, I think it's like a 40, 45% chance. One of them wins it all. That seems high. Is it compared to normal? Do you know off the top of your head? If, if a team like that or two, it, that is like high. That? I think if you're talking about just two teams, I think yeah, typically it's like the, the four one seeds like carry like a 40 to 45% chance of winning it all. And then the four, two seeds carry like a 20, 25%. And so then everybody else has like, you know, those eight teams have like a 70% chance of winning typically. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Were there uh, anything in, especially in that three game losing streak in the big 12, were there anything in those games that stood out to you, you know, positive, negative, you know, indications of where this season might end up seems like forever ago now, but if you can just recall anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the Kansas game, I like. You know, we we kind of got beat worse than we than the score. I, and so I guess I, the way we were, you know, the Chris turn, the Chris Beard term, like the play it to the bone. You know, we kind of we gave ourselves some chances um, late in that game when we kind of got just like our butts whipped. But that you know, there is a thing with this team, and, and it's um, it's like we we don't make a lot of shots in, in our. The uh, op- our opponents have shot fairly well against us, yeah. And um, f- like historically for Tech, if we don't outshoot the team we're playing, it's just an automatic loss. I think um, like before this year's team, 
um, we were something like 0 and 10, you know, when our, our effective field goal percentage was lower than our opponents. And then this year, this year's team's played in a lot of those games, which is not good, yeah. but we won a lot of them. And, right. and some of them were, that we lost are the ones we kind of talked about where like a whistle here or there and we win. And um, I, it's just, I don't know what to make, you know, it's just a bizarre aspect um, of this team. Like, yeah, I can see like negatives of it because obviously it's not good if you don't shoot well and, and the other team is making more shots than you. But if you have the ability to win in spite of that, and then there's also this, that, that chance that you shoot well, that, that comes into play. And um, it's like a, to me, it would be, a, it makes us scary like, to me. I can see the opposite where somebody would say, no, that maybe you'd want to play us because we're, we're not going to make a lot of jump shots, right. but that not me because we can beat you without making shots. Right. And that's a good thing. It's kind of a good thing to have in your bag. Cause it'll happen. I mean, you're going to go cold. Right. Yeah. That, that's a good point. And it's a good way to look at it too, because like you said, we've, we've been in those games where we haven't shot well and we've won them. Um, to me, you know, West Virginia, you know, they had, I can't even remember his name. They had the one guy go off um, from three um, and then just the foul call disparity in that game, you know, swing it. Um, but that, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I need to start, or I think I need to stop complaining about that because West Virginia does that to everybody. They did to Baylor today, you know? And so it, maybe that's just the way that they play. Um, and you may have. Sure. And, and, yeah. It's uh, some of it too, I think is, uh, you know, no, not many people have can guard Derek Culver. And so there's like a game, like if you look back at tech versus West Virginia, the free throw disparity, um, if we, so many times over the years, we've been playing small relative to their big, big guys who can't shoot free throws. And our defense has been to prevent the, prevent them from getting the ball. But if they do just foul. And so if that's your game plan, if that's a team's plans, then they, they, they should have more free throws and more fouls called because, because people are trying to foul them. Right. Uh, but it's a humongous gap. I'm looking at uh, uh, conference only West Virginia, you know, they're like their free throw rate. They're number one in the conference. And it's just an enormous gap between them and then Oklahoma state and then another big gap. And then it's us. Right. And so it's, they're just so much farther ahead of everybody in terms of free throw attempts per shot attempt. Yeah. So it's not, it's, you know, it's not a one-off against us essentially. And, And that's a good transition to the Oklahoma state game. Um, because again, I, like you said, I thought Kansas just beat us. I thought we we had a chance against West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Um, you know that ridiculous technical foul after the non-call. You know, Cade Cunningham goes out with four fouls, and it, it you'll you'll you hear people, coaches in the NBA say this, especially like playoff time, where they would rather a team be at full strength because when they're not, players just seem to naturally relax. And so I don't know if it was one of those deals where, where, you know, Cade goes out of the game and Tech is just like, all right, you know, we, we can relax some. You know, maybe – I'm sure that wasn't a conscious decision, but maybe, you know, it just kind of happened. And, they and you know, they go on a run without their best player and just kind of take the game over. Yeah, that yeah that game hurt for – to you know, obviously the overtime loss hurts. But it, it also was like, um, you know, we've been talking about teams making threes – at a really kind of ridiculous rate against us. And they Oklahoma State goes two for 12 from, from 
And then we, we then there's like these certain things that tech does to overcome uh, teams making a bunch of more shots where we yeah. like force them to turn the ball over. We get a bunch of offensive rebounds. Uh, we don't turn the ball over. And we, you know, we took care of the ball against Oklahoma State. We had 12 turnovers in an overtime game and we forced them into a lot of turnovers. You know, we, that was what kind of what sucked about that game was they shot poorly. We did the things we do to normally win when we, when the other team shoots out of their minds and we, and we lost. Yeah. It's kind of the first time this season where that, like, that happened uh, that I know, you know, some other, other losses you can clearly like point to. It's like, well, yeah, they made 50% of their threes, you know, or um, you know, we didn't turn them, we didn't turn them over. Normally we turn people over. We didn't, we did everything in that game and we, we still lost. Yeah. And, and it's like you said, that one just hurt, you know, even it didn't feel like a game that tech was going to lose to me. It was, it was very similar to West Virginia in Morgantown where it was just like, this is not a loss. It doesn't feel like a loss. And I know, you know, feeling doesn't go very far when you're watching a game, but it just didn't seem that way. And then all of a sudden it was, I mean, once it got into overtime, has a Chris Beard coached tech team ever won an overtime game? They haven't. Right. So once it's overtime, it's game over. Uh, or to me, you know, this is the fan. LSU, right? Was LSU overtime? No, we just uh, came back and snuck that one out. I think I saw after that Oklahoma State game, I think I saw we were 0 8 in overtime games. Really? But like I said, I, I don't I don't know for sure. But regardless, it seems when a game gets to that point, our inability to create consistent uh, consistently on offense, you know, seems to hurt in games like that and in overtime. Um, so it just it just kind of exploited a lot of the things that that I'm worried about with this team. And then you end up getting swept by Oklahoma state. And it's just like, here we go. You know, now, now it's a huge game against Texas in a week. And, you know, you end up, you know, probably, I don't I think the score may have been a little closer than the second half was the Texas game. Yeah. Yeah, That was a fun one. I was, I went up for that one. Oh, Um, that's right. Yeah. And, had some like decent seats and it was definitely a fun one to be at. You know, we um, just played our plates defense. You know, it was such an opposite game from the first one where it's like back really a high tempo and they were making so many shots and just getting whatever they wanted. And uh, that was not the case in, in the second time. And we had a pretty much had our way with them. I mean, they, um, and you know, we have a, the 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 big thing, right? Everybody, it's kind of this like um, this thing that is talked about so much with, with Chris Beard teams, where um, we don't play with the traditional full power forward in the center. And some teams, uh, no one really does, but some teams appear to more than we do. And uh, you know, it can make it makes fans, I think, frustrated sometimes um, when teams get a single offensive rebound, you know, or, or score by throwing it into the paint. Um, but, it, you know, over the years, like one game I remember or just that really strikes me is the Louisville game last year where they had just that uh, really good center and their whole game plan was to throw in the post. And it's like when we if we force this kind of uh, teams into the situation where it's like it's so obvious where they need to throw it into the, to the paint to, to take advantage of some of our deficiencies. Well, then we know they're going to do that. And and it's yeah. Uh, we can kind of turn it into a, a, a weapon, like a strength, because 
we know exactly what they're going to be doing. And we have like these, a defense that's suited for it and we can take advantage of it. I, I mean, that Louisville game, I think we stole like seven entry passes to the, yeah. the post. And we were kind of doing that as something similar to Texas. I thought like fronting them and making them have to throw it over us, you know, so then they're big has to catch it in traffic. And it's like a, it's a, it's a slow pass because you have to throw it over us. So like, then three guys, you know, three, we're triple teaming you. It's, and it, yeah. it's pretty easy to get guys to the ball. And it's just a, you know, it's a lot that has to go right for a two point basket to happen. And yeah, um, it seemed like we, like Texas was like so focused on trying to take advantage of that, that they, it just, you know, they were out of whack, especially in the second half. Yeah, that's a good point. And my, my thing, and I've said this before about the bigs is the defensive side to me doesn't hurt as much if you can punish those bigs offensively, you know, get a switch and then, you know, beat them basically like teams doing the NBA. We don't, but like tech doesn't seem to be able to do that. And so the big, you know, playing a big against the red Raiders is easier. And so it it just kind of snowballs from there, but you're right. You know, entry passes look easy. They are absolutely a skill. Um, and then they're slow if you front them, like you said, and and Tech took advantage of it. It's For some reason, it just seems like some nights it works, some nights it doesn't, because nobody complains about the lack of bigs when we win, you know. <laughs> and, and also, nobody, you know, there's some element of we could put some bigs out there. We could put more bigs out there. And it's not necessarily – like our bigs may not be as good as theirs, Uh I'm not saying like on this current team, but maybe like maybe we like construct the team differently where we're like planning on playing two bigs on the at the same time. And so we need like three and four. And so you know, our second, third, and fourth big is probably not going to be as good as West Virginia or Kansas. And so why would we, you know, play this certain way? Why would we expect, okay, well, we need to be bigger. We need to play more bigs when they're like not as good as the other, as our as the alternative, which might be like. Agbo playing more or Kevin McCuller playing 10 more minutes a game. Yeah. So, you know, our bigs can get beat too. Our bigs can give up offensive rebounds and they can get scored on and they can like turn the ball over. Um, so there's some, you know, there's some element of that people, you know, people, I think people forget that or oversee that aspect too. We played with bigs for a long time in this league and it didn't work. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it didn't really work. Yeah. That, that's, that may have been the best point right there is, uh, We've tried it both ways, and this way has been more successful. <laughs> so, and, and this way is converting the whole league. You know, I think like yeah. you listen to Chris Beard um, from the very, very beginning, and he says like, when you take a job, you know, you want to the first thing you do is like, okay, what conference are you in, and like, what is the best team? Who's the best team in the league? And like, you build your team to beat the best team in the league. Yeah, and I think like our first year was like somewhat of a shell shock. Like, God, you know, this, this is a tough league. We've kind of had success everywhere. It's been like instantly he had a we took over a team that was a tournament team and we seemingly did worse yeah and the next year uh like everything kind of changed um you know we're playing small we're playing this new defense and we were you know we suddenly were this we're built to take advantage of bigger teams yeah. and we did that by not being going big by going small right. and then and then what's ironic is like now a couple of years later chris beard you know we've been had a lot of success and west virginia plays small now kansas is kind of starting to play small now um, everybody's playing small. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is a good point. You know, it's like in the the Western Conference in like the early 2000s and every every contender is trying to find a big to guard Shaq, you know, and it would have been interesting to see a team go small, you know, like they do now and try to play them off the court. But it yeah. makes makes me wonder, like Beard takes this job, say he takes like the Kansas State job to next year. And it was like his first year in the Big 12 and he's looking, you know, Tech and Baylor are the best teams and maybe he maybe his approach would be oh, we need to go big you know right. now we kind of the opposite of what he did a couple of years ago yeah find any advantage you can i'm going to go ahead and announce a new sponsor for from here it's potable um it's primary residential mortgage incorporated uh they wanted to hop on and and uh you know, get on the podcast and a couple of videos on the site before um, March Madness and Tech Basketball makes its run. Um, you know, primary residential mortgage, they are the uh, lending with passion division. Um, whether you're buying, refinancing, taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Uh, rates are near uh, all-time lows and uh, their mortgage experts can help find the best mortgage solution for you. Uh, they can help with purchasing your dream home, investment properties, vacation homes. They have locations all over the state, um, but they can you know, do the entire process online. So for wherever you're, you're at, they love working with uh, fellow Red Raiders. PRMI can be reached by email at prmiraider at primeres.com. That's prmiraider at primeres.com through the website at www.lendingwithpassion.com or by phone at 214-736-9466. So again, uh, we are thankful for the sponsorship of Primary Residential Mortgage Incorporated. Just real quick, finishing up on uh, TCU, you know, slow start, which seems to be a theme, but then Kyler just goes absolutely insane, you know. Like, and and I don't, I don't expect him to play that way regularly obviously but the attitude in which he played is something that can be replicated you know there he was very confident every time he rose up you know to take a shot he there wasn't pump fakes into long twos there wasn't you know you know i go up to shoot and then i panic pass because i don't like the look i mean it was just rising up and i'm taking this shot it was freshman year kyler edwards and and even if he shoots you know four for ten from three i'd rather that i'd rather that attitude oh, yeah we'll take that yeah. yeah it's kind of a sneaky um you know, kyler's now i think over 40 percent from three on the year he's ninth like conference only games he's ninth in the conference 41.3 percent and he's got you know, quite a few more attempts than some of these guys in front of him um so he yeah i mean he's one of the best shooters in the conference i we, we always thought he was i mean yeah. I, I think Maybe some people were starting to doubt him, but uh, the way he, sh yeah, like you just mentioned, it, the way he shot the, his freshman year uh, and, the, and the, the leash we gave him his freshman year, because that was a good team, right? Yeah. I mean, it was a national championship uh, game team. So, uh, and yet he's coming in, he's playing 20 minutes a game, and when he gets it, he's putting it up pretty, pretty quickly. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think we've, Chris Beard always thought he was a good shooter. I, mean, I don't have any reason to disagree with, with him. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad he's starting to make them. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's, 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 it's, he's had a weird year too. And, you know, I think uh, he has some of the things that he does for the team are just, they're really easy to overlook and they're, 
uh, or undervalue. And then they, when he, when he's struggling shooting, uh, it, it just kind of makes him an easy target. But um, yeah, yeah. Beards talked about his conditioning. He said it's like the best he's like, in, he can go just 100% nonstop. And, you know, he, he gets these defensive rebounds and he sprints down the court almost every time, like yeah. whether he gets the rebound or whether he's gets it on an outlet. And, you know, the other team has to sprint with him. And then our other guys, you know, like McClung and some of these other guys don't have to take the ball down the, down the court and kind of say, conserve their energy. And it's like, how do you value that? You know, like watching the game, you watch him sprint, you know, get a rebound or get an outlet and sprint down the court 25 times. And like, what, you know, how do you, how do you even possibly, you know, value that? What is that doing for our team? Um, it's got to be worth something, you know, because he, he has the ability to do that and then play defense on the other team's best player to be one of the best rebounding guards in the conference to initiate like half court wise, a ton of what we do. Yeah. It's um, he, yeah, he's a pretty, pretty important piece. And uh, we've always, we've kind of always said it, him losing his mind shooting is like what is unlocks this team to just this other, this whole other level of, of play. Cause we're, if he's making shots uh, we're tough to beat. Yeah. I mean, if you look at tonight, I mean, he was, um, sorry, McClung, what do you have, four points? And, you know, you win the game by 20. Uh, who, you know, the only way that happens is if, <laughs> you know, Kyler goes off. And imagine if we get a game where both of those, both of those guys go nuts. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to beat, you're not going to beat us. No. Yeah, he played, yeah, he played 26 minutes tonight and, there was no need for him to really shoot, you know, be aggressive late. I mean, you wonder if, if, if this would have been a close game, like how many, you know, he might've scored 30 points. Right. Yeah. If they're fouling late, you know, um, he, he would have had the ball in, in a lot of those situations. I mean, he, he easily could have scored 30. McClung had four points, six assists. Wow. Led the team in assists. Sorry, I hadn't had a chance to look over the box score. Um, you know, we talked about it a little at the beginning, um, and then even before we got on here about the, you know, some guys who don't play a ton. You know, obviously Naldoni's been playing more. He got 15 minutes tonight. But looking at him, you know, Tyreek Smith, uh, Chabuzo Agbo, Avery Benson, Golden, Goldine, I'm not sure exactly which one it is. Um, you know, those guys who, who got a, run, a lot of run in the second half, anything stand out to you other than, you know, us talking All about Naldoni yeah, might be good? <laughs> no, those three guys, yeah, Clarence, Tyreek, and Agbo, you know, are really kind of at the right time developing. They're kind of coming into some a role, and um, I think I'm confident in them, like, you know, and interested to see what they do when they're playing – Every shot Agbo takes looks like it's going in. Yes, his yeah his, his airball. He, <laughs> yeah. When he airballed it against LSU, it yeah. looked like it was going in. Somehow. Every he rise, it is a like perfect shot. The way he rises up, he's got it at high point. I mean, it it looks immaculate. But yeah, I I was about to say that same thing. I agree. And then and then you saw him one time. And this is making me think about years from now. But it was uh, tonight, like a pick and roll, and he throws it over the defense and. To I think it was Tyreek and he puts it up and yeah you know when you're six seven six eight uh, in the pick and roll that's scary scary because you can yeah. just throw it over I mean you can defend a ball screen the way they you know you draw it up the way that the 
that uh, Skunk had, I can't think of his name, wanted to draw it up and, and he can just throw it right over the defense. And that's, I can't, you know, how I don't know. Agbo has a, has a pretty high ceiling, I think. Yes. You know, I think he, um, his def, you know, like on ball defense maybe is what has held him back up to this point. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's on ball because off ball, he's made some things happen and he did tonight when he was out there. He just seems to have good instincts on defense, which is then, really, I'll take that over, a, you know, a lockdown on ball guy. And then, you know, clearance is just a bulldog. And it, I want I go back. I, want, I can't remember what game it was, but it, it, it was way early in the non-conference and it clicked for me. It was Troy. Okay. We went 80 to 40, 80 to 46 and clearance plays eight minutes. He goes 0 for 2 from the field. He has one assist. He fouls out in eight minutes. And <laughs> I remember that. He, that's just like um, uh, the story of his game. I mean, he, yeah. he's everywhere. He's like relentless, um, just trying to get his nose in on any possible play. Yeah. And he plays that way no matter what the score is. And he's incredibly athletic with that level yeah. of intensity. Like his first step is really quick. And he, yeah, and he looks like he, he's the guy that you just cringe when he's guarding you because yeah. it's you know it's going to be just relentless energy, everything like super fundamental. These closeouts, he's never going to like lose you uh, any chance. He's going to be like swiping at the ball and diving at your feet and legs and like taking you out. It's just yeah. looks miserable to play against. <laughs> yes. Uh Tyreek Smith's line, 14 minutes, six rebounds, one assist, nine points. That's pretty dang Tyreek, man, so he has a, a crazy ability. I don't know how tall he is. Six, he's not, he's not that tall. Like for a big, he's listed as 6'7". Yeah. He might be 6'6". Six, six. But, he, you know, his his uh, block percentage is 12.3%. It's just cra- – that is unbelievable. I think – so the next highest is Silva at 6%. What was let me see? Let's see what uh Tariq Smith was in the uh or Tariq Owens. I'm sorry, okay, yeah. 12.1. <laughs> wow, he played a lot more minutes, so but but still, I mean, he he uh Tariq Smith has a uncanny ability to like affect shots at the rim, yeah. Yeah, it's well, uh, and he has a little bit of. Naldoni with it or in him, like he's gonna be there, you know, like you're not. It, there's not going to be an easy shot if he's late. If, you know, if he jumps too soon, he's jumping again. You know, there, there's not yeah. going to be an easy finish when he's at the rim. And, and Agbo too. I mean, all three of them are just kind of like, just bulldog. Like they're just uh, like yeah. blue, blue collar type guys. Like yeah. they, they, I guess the best way they play like role guy, they play like someone who is just uh, straining for, for minutes that, yeah. that play like six minutes a game and like has knows that they have to just, you know, they're, they've got to leave like their kneecaps on the floor. They have to be bleeding and to get more minutes. And that's, they, that's how they play. And it's, you know, it's nice to see, because I think you know, we could have, there are guys who maybe aren't on the team anymore um, who, who wouldn't be playing like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, mentioning Tyreek and Buzo together, they're, you know, you talked about how tall is Tyreek. They're about the same size. <laughs> you know, they yeah. just do two totally different – have two totally different roles. So, it's kind of – And then, and then phys- physically, I mean, Tyreek and Agbo, they just – they don't look like freshmen. No, no. I mean, you're like, right about that. Well, I guess Tyreek's not technically. No. Or, I mean, technically he is, but 
he's been on campus for a while. Um, yeah, Buzo in a, another year of Riley's strength and conditioning program, he's going, he may have a Culver like, eh, that's, that's a high ceiling. That's a high expectation. He may, he may put himself into draft conversations next year if his shot looks the way it does right now, because he, he's exactly what every NBA team wants. Exactly. Um, but anyway, just a good night, you know, after about 10 minutes, never really in doubt. Like I said, we could have recorded this podcast at halftime. Um, and so we've got Iowa state Thursday, Baylor on Sunday. Any thoughts as we head into these last two? Uh, no, you know, Iowa state, I, my first thought when I saw, saw these games, I, Iowa state and TCU was that, um, they could only hurt us, but I really wasn't thinking about, you know, like a 20 point blowout that doesn't hurt. But, um, cause I, I don't know how much we gain by beating them because we're, we're all like us, you know, we're already, um, you know, top 20 and, um, pretty a consensus top 20 team, but, um, I guess I wasn't, you know, we, we do another, we roll, we put out another 20 point blowout against Iowa state. And, um, like I really, you know, what are we playing for Sunday? If we win that game, what is Baylor playing for? Yeah. Well, they may have locked up the two. I, good question. I, like we finished with two straight wins and, and we go 18 and eight and we're three games above 500 in, in the conference, which from a percentage wise is like, it's, you know, top two, top two, maybe best season in tech history. Chance uh, yeah, to finish and, and this, uh, seven yeah, and, and have some games ahead of us. I still, I don't know how, how low we could go. I mean, so it would be hard to, to take us out of like a three seed kind of conversation. If we, if we went out. Um, I absolutely think we will have more to play for than Baylor at that point. I, I, it would be, it, it'd be fun to get in that, position you know to, to be at tip off of that game thinking um, that a win makes us you know fourth or fifth in the conference and yeah um kind of a lock for a uh, three seed yeah is that I think that's what you're shooting for this week you know I I think you can't have any kind of letdown or trap game against Iowa State and then you know you just need to go into the Baylor game thinking you know with more and basically like we were just talking about, you need to play like Naldoni, Buzo and Tyreek Smith play and just get a win, you know, like it'll help. It'll help us more than it'll help them. And, and I, you know, who knows what they're going to be like. They've, I mean, they already have the conference championship locked up their consensus top four. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know what they're going to be playing for. And who they play. They got Oklahoma state at home um, before us. So uh, I guess it'll be senior night. That's, I mean, that'll be the only thing, you know, but who knows that a two and a week would go a long way. There's, there's no about, there's Absolutely. No about that. Um, you know, let me see here. Uh, Cause I was just looking at the standings, you know, Oklahoma state's 10 and six, Texas is nine and six, Oklahoma's nine and seven tech eight and seven. Um in the conference. So you, you know, depending on what Texas and Oklahoma do, you know, you're kind of hoping to, or I guess even Oklahoma state, you know, you're kind of hoping to, to be right there with those guys um, and not seventh, <laughs> you know, right. even though, like you said, it doesn't really matter, um, but it'd be nice to, to finish up there. 
it would, it would be nice to get a uh, a three seed. Yeah, you know the the five four, you play a one sooner. Right. And we we're kind I don't of talking. Like the five. The five is the, one of the twelve five. You know those those seem to be the most popular upsets. Yeah. Um, yeah. For six or three, you know, I like our chances to be favored potentially for the first three games. Yeah. I mean, there are some, there will be a, a two seed that tech would be a favorite against as a six seed. Right. On a neutral side, because right. you, gotta fact, you have to factor in like, um, as you know, if every tech win in the tournament is going to make us you know, strong, like seem stronger. We'll have, you know, higher relative strength. We'll be playing. So, you know, a six, we would beat a three and then we would beat a, uh, what would that be a, a two next? Um, so like just like the theoretical us winning like three or four games in a row, we will have played and beat tougher teams. And and for you know, if you're a top 10 team and then you you beat a couple top 10 teams, we'll be thought, yeah. yeah. Uh, it'll just be I, I will find it personally fun, you know, just using um to kind of if we make a deep run to see what these lines will be, because yeah. Uh, nobody's going to want to play us. It's just going to be odd yeah. uh, to see us uh, a six seed and kind of like everyone thinking, oh, my God, you know, this, this, this team might win a few games. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And, and like you said, for as, for as much as you look at the standings and getting swept by a couple of teams you don't think are better than you, you know, you look at the what Vegas says and – we're, we're a pretty dang good team and um, getting up to yeah. that three seed. Yeah. Definitely be the goal. Not really. Yeah. And it's, it's more so than Vegas. It's, you know, it's just the people that bet on these games that yeah. are, that right. can yeah. make a bet. People tend to you know, give credibility t- to them. And now we have, we have not fared well this against the spread this year. So maybe, maybe we have been overvalued and we've kind right. of come back to earth some, but like coming back to earth means we're, 15th in the country, not 10th. <laughs> yeah, it's a good spot to be. There's no doubt. Uh, all right, so anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. Maybe we can do another one um, just right before the Baylor game if we can get a win Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Thursday night. Yeah, we'll absolutely either – we'll do one either before then or after then and see what's coming up next for sure. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll have another one of these uh, sometime soon. So, Anyway, good night, good win. Get to put a couple in a row. Let's finish on a winning streak.